We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Welcome to Face Connecticut, an in-depth look at today's issues. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Face Connecticut on WTIC News Talk 1080, 96.5 TIC-FM and Light 100.5 WRCH. Aaron Kupek with you this Sunday morning and we're pleased to be joined by the Hartford Foundation for Public Giving President and CEO Jay Williams. Good morning to you, sir. Aaron, good morning to you and your listeners. How are you? I am well and yourself? I am also well. Thank you for asking. Well, let us start with a little about the Hartford Foundation. What drives you? What's your mission? Absolutely. Thank you. The Hartford Foundation for Public Giving uh, is the community foundation for 29 towns in the greater Hartford region, the capital region of the state of Connecticut. Uh, We have been around for 95 years. We exist because of the generosity of thousands of donors across the region who uh, over the years have given of them their time, their talent, and their treasure that has allowed us to uh, invest those resources such that we are in a position to uh, provide support to nonprofit organizations across those 29 towns uh, on an annual basis to work with those partners to really serve and help to prove the quality of life uh, in our community. So I, I'm a part of a wonderful team of, of, of colleagues and, and, and contemporaries who, uh, through the leadership of our board, have an opportunity to serve this community. 95 years is quite a legacy. Tell us a little about how the foundation began. It began uh, with just uh, you know a couple of individuals who uh, were residents uh, of the community who uh, understood the importance of being able to assist broadly others who perhaps were less fortunate uh, for those who had been blessed to amass resources and, and back then with, with just a modest uh, you know contribution of, of less than twenty thousand uh, dollars to ultimately see ninety five years later. Uh, an organization that uh, is fortunate to have an endowment uh, of upwards of a billion dollars uh, that is in a position to give out between 35 and $40 million each year in grants. Uh, those individuals had the foresight and they had the vision to establish us early on. The oldest uh, foundation uh, in the country is the Cleveland Foundation. It's over 100 years old. So at 95, we are one of the oldest and one of the largest. And as a result of their vision and their generosity, here uh, we are uh, so many years later still uh, engaged in philanthropy and with a mission and an eye to do that in perpetuity, meaning that through good times and bad, and, and this is certainly a challenging period for all of us, uh, we will continue to be here to serve and improve the community in, in, in ways that uh, wouldn't be possible again without our donors or our nonprofit partners. 
And certainly there's no shortage of worthy causes out there. What's your vetting process? How do you make decisions on what to support? That's a great question. And that's where the expertise and the commitment of the staff uh, really come into play. So we have a vision uh, that guides our uh, our grant making and our capacity building and our public policy. And that vision really uh, came about as a result of conversations with the community, with stakeholders, input from our board, data guiding us to uh, understand where the greatest needs in the community are. Uh, and after doing that, you can imagine that there are always more needs than we have resources. We are limited in our resources like every other organization. Uh, and that's where the staff, uh, the expertise of the staff, their uh, own perspectives and experiences in working with uh, nonprofit organizations, really understanding and appreciating and digesting the data to try to make uh, informed decisions that would ultimately allow us to be impactful. And our current strategic focus really is reflective of the challenges that exist in this country and in our region, particularly those challenges uh, that have produced disparities uh, and inequities uh, that are exacerbated by race, place, and, and geographical location, income, and, and income stratification. So right now, uh, we, about a year and a half ago, really committed ourselves to uh, trying to focus on economic mobility, uh, creating a higher opportunity neighborhoods, uh, addressing uh, issues in educational attainment, uh, employment opportunities, uh, wealth building. So it's a broad area, but we are focused truly on those inequities and disparities that have, again, been driven by race, place, and income. And the data demonstrates that. Uh, our conversations with our community stakeholders and partners demonstrates that. And that's where we have found ourselves really focused uh, over the past year and a half. And it's you know, fortunately or unfortunately, only been further validated by, uh, you know, the, the, the national discussion uh, around race and, and, and equity uh, and disparities that we've uh, all experienced over the past several months. Now, among your latest initiatives, a training program to help strengthen bonds between young people and police in Greater Hartford. Tell us about that. We are very excited about a partnership uh, with the Travelers Championship. The golf tournament just concluded recently. Uh, and that is a philanthropic endeavor. Uh, so through a partnership with the, the Travelers Championship and the Hartford Foundation for Public Giving, uh, we are supporting uh, the New Haven Center for Advanced Policing and the Tau Youth Justice Institute uh, for Municipal uh, and Regional Policy. And the idea here is that the Capital Region Police Chiefs Association uh, was very excited about a program that will uh, be about advanced training for our safety forces, our police officers who uh, engage young people, specifically young people of color, uh, and the challenges that that has that have been laid bare with respect to those relationships uh, that that are, are, are you know rooted in a whole host of things uh, that that need to be addressed. But the uh, men and women who are uh, charged with keeping us safe, with being um, guardians of the community. The willingness for this uh, police chiefs association to bring departments to the table uh, to really rethink about the training. And there's a lot of expertise down uh, in the Institute and, and, and Dr. Lorenzo Boyd, who was a former police officer uh, who has his Ph.D. Uh, he and his team are, are excited about this type of training that we believe uh, can be a model for other areas around the region and around the country when it comes to the relationships between. Uh, our police departments, uh, and partic particularly uh, young people of color. 
What are some of the conversations that you hope this initiative will spark? I hope it, we, we hope it begins to spark an initiative of, of understanding uh, some of the root challenges that exist uh, and, 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 you know, defaulting to the position that, uh, you know, men and women who enter into law enforcement uh, do so by and large, uh, wanting to protect the communities that they are part of, uh, wanting to increase the quality of life. Uh, young people inherently, you know, also want to have a quality of life in their community. Uh, there needs and has to be a mutual respect and understanding, but there also has to be an empathy. And w- there has to be a realization that in this country uh, for uh, decades and generations, there have been policies, uh, practices that have absolutely been rooted in uh, racism uh, and structural inequities and disparities that have manifested themselves in so many ways that have driven a wedge between uh, our communities, that have driven a wedge between uh, you know, law enforcement in, in many instances and the communities it, that they are charged to serve. So what we are hoping is that it can uh, be a, an authentic conversation, uh, that there can be a perspective shared uh, from young people, uh, their feelings, uh, their experiences, uh, the law enforcement personnel who, who have a, a, an important obligation and role to play and bringing them together to make sure that people don't just assume that the a relationship has to be adversarial, that the relationship has to be confrontational. Uh, so, you know, we're excited about it. It's going to take a lot of work from a lot of committed individuals, but we are pleased that the Travelers Championship saw this as an important initiative, as do we, uh, and excited about, you know, really getting into more of the details uh, as the program begins to kick off. Now, one of your other focus areas recently has been COVID-19 and helping with the, the state's response Tell us what you've done in that realm. That's a great question. Uh, uh, early in March, when when uh, the pandemic really began to grip and settle into our communities, uh, the Hartford Foundation for Public Giving uh, activated our disaster response fund. Uh, we activated it with an initial uh, contribution from our own resources of a million dollars. And the idea was to have a rapid response fund uh, that would support uh, residents uh, who are most vulnerable to the health and economic impacts of, of COVID to stabilize nonprofit organizations in the region, knowing that we uh, needed to be more nimble, more impactful, uh, and do this in a in a shorter period of time than we probably would have ever had to do before, because none of us in our lifetime ha- had faced uh, a crisis like this. Uh, since we started that fund, the community and the donors have responded in ways that are just awe-inspiring. Over 300 uh, donations, 300 different donors, ranging from you know donations of $15, which we are very much appreciative of, to individual donations of of a million dollars. We have seen the corporate community step up uh, as they typically do to support uh, the region in which they exist in our great corporate citizens, and we've raised uh, over four million dollars uh, over the past three months or so. Uh, we've put out almost six and a half million dollars in grants to more than 120 organizations. And these organizations, again, are focusing on food insecurity and access to health care uh, and, and transportation and child care. All the things that were of the utmost importance uh, when we were at the height of this pandemic. And, and the COVID fund is still active. Uh, we are looking to broaden the support to nonprofit organizations who are still recovering or trying to recover from or become more stable. Uh, in the face of this pandemic. So I, I, I am. we are humbled 
by how donors, individual donors, family donors, and the corporate community responded uh, to provide resources that were uh, put directly out to the community to help uh, people survive this, this, this life-altering crisis. From what you're hearing on the ground, how challenging is it for some nonprofits in Connecticut amid the COVID crisis? It is exceptionally challenging. Uh, the nonprofits in our state were challenged prior to this, and, and there was a, a conversation about how uh, they needed the resources to, 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 to remain stable, to survive, even when we were in the tail end of the, the greatest economic expansion we've seen in our lifetime, a 10-year economic expansion, we still saw challenges. Uh, so you can imagine the effect and the impact when we slid into a, a, a COVID-induced recession. Uh, the, the, the needs were exponentially greater and the resources were exponentially uh, less. Uh, and that's where, as a community foundation, working with other community foundations across the state, uh, working with the governor uh, to, to leverage the resources that were directed toward our nonprofit, they are still struggling. It is a reality and an unfortunate reality that there were nonprofit organizations that em- entered into the pandemic that may not emerge on the other side. Uh, that is a, a significant loss to our community because of the critical services uh, that they provide to, to our citizens and our residents. Um, so, you know, what we try to do in addition to the financial support is try to build and strengthen the capacity uh, of those nonprofit organizations to try to uh, find platforms to collaborate, to, to, to raise, uh, lift the voice of the nonprofit community. So, you know, again, without which we as a community would be far worse off. The challenges that we face now Absent the nonprofits who are out there on the front lines, uh, I can't imagine the type of, of, of community that we would have if, if we didn't have them. So uh, we want to see them emerge stronger. Uh, we want to see them continue to be able to provide uh, the quality of life that is necessary. They provide essential services on behalf of cities and states. So, you know, the challenges remain, uh, Aaron. You're listening to Face Connecticut. We're talking to Jay Williams. He is the president and CEO of the Hartford Foundation for Public Giving. It seems in many of the initiatives you undertake, there is more than one organization putting up funds to make something happen. There are matching funds. How important is that for everyone to kind of have skin in the game? We think it's very important, and and we recognize and appreciate that uh, each organization brings a different level of capacity. Some organizations are are able to to match, uh, you know, a dollar for dollar. Other organizations are able to put some, you know, uh, modest but meaningful amount uh, into the activity. Sometimes the organization uh, it amounts to an in kind contribution. But we do believe uh, it is important to have uh, an investment in in the activity. And again, whether the investment is a financial investment or a uh, a contribution of expertise or the time of their volunteers. We look and consider all of that. And it's important because there are never enough resources to go around. Uh, we are fortunate and blessed to have the endowment that we do, but that endowment is subject to the market fluctuations. Um, the endowment is is subject to you know our donors who are, uh, one of the amazing things is in the midst of this economic decline, our donors dug deeper into their pockets. Uh, they said that we want to, even as we face our own challenges in our families and in our individual situations, we want to give more of ourselves. So 
the ability to leverage those dollars to, to help them go further is 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 something that we think is very important. As, as a matter of fact, uh, I had a, a conversation with the governor uh, just uh, several days ago about an initiative that the Hartford Foundation uh, helped to support uh, with the two hundred thousand dollars. It was able to attract eight hundred thousand dollars in federal funding, and the governor was highlighting that as one of the approaches that he has consistently uh, uh, championed as important for us to leverage and, and, and bring more dollars as a result uh, of, of this type of collaboration. I'm thinking you might be talking about the Kineticor program, is that correct? I, I am talking about the Kineticor program, absolutely. Tell us a little more about that. That It's modeled after the AmeriCorps program, which has been in Connecticut for a number of years, but this is Connecticut's version of it. That's Connecticut's version. And the governor, he, he was relaying that he, he knew AmeriCorps and asked why was there not a Connecticut uh, version, particularly in this particular uh, time of challenge that we are facing. Uh, and what it does is recognizes that uh, many nonprofit organizations rely on volunteers who are retired, who are, um, uh, you know, in their or approaching their golden years. Uh, and that is an invaluable resource. That being said, those were the same individuals that were more susceptible uh, to to the COVID pandemic, and it was critical that they uh, limited their exposure to to being infected. So what happened? It left our nonprofit organizations with a dearth of volunteers, people who had it in their heart to to volunteer, but who had to very uh, pragmatically uh, step back from from the front line. Uh, so to fill that gap. Uh, the, the concept was to uh, tap into our talented young people, our youth of this um, uh, community and of the state who are talented, knowledgeable, energetic, many of whom were graduating from high school or college and would be looking for summer employment or post-collegiate employment. But because of the economic decline, those uh, positions weren't available uh, in, the, in, in the quantity uh, that they might otherwise be. So being able to tap into that uh, reservoir of young talent uh, and eagerness to serve their community, to provide them a stipend for volunteering that would ultimately allow the nonprofits to continue to do what they were doing was really the definition of a win-win-win situation. So we were pleased uh, to, to be able to provide some seed that was uh, attracting, uh, again, uh, now collectively a million plus dollars. And the governor said, hey, if we can get more, we can do more. So that's a that's a, a very good example of the type of collaboration that ultimately results in nonprofits continuing to be able to serve, connecting our young people to contribute to their community and allowing those more traditional volunteers to take a step uh, back temporarily uh, for the benefit of their health and well-being. The Hartford Foundation has also been involved in putting up money to help people or get people to fill out the census. Tell us why that is so important. There really is a multiplier effect there, isn't there? Absolutely. And this is where I got to give a shout out to, you know, Yvette Bellow and Don Grant of the Hartford Foundation, who just uh, recently gave all of the organization an update uh, on our census activities, the enthusiasm and the passion in which those, uh, you know, two uh, ladies uh, lead this effort uh, underscores the importance of the census. There has been it seems like a lifetime ago, but just months ago, all the controversy around the census and the, uh, and the questions that uh, were attempting to be put on the census, uh, which caused a great deal of concern. We were able to get past that, and then COVID hit. Uh, and, and when COVID hit, the census may have some an important issue because this is now about life and death and about survival. But 
the census became even more important because the census is the driver or the determinant of the federal resources that come to the state of Connecticut, that come to our communities. And an undercount uh, has the prospect of devastating this community for a decade, for 10 years. Uh, an undercount would mean that we would not get our fair share of dollars in Connecticut and into the communities within the Connecticut to provide for basic human needs, education, uh, you know, environmental causes, to try to help businesses and entrepreneurs, and to be uh, short-funded for 10 years. You know, the effects of that just become compounded. So the census efforts uh, are very much underway. Uh, we think it's important that we invest in organizations who are helping to uh, connect to people who are hard to count, who may be facing a language barrier, who may not have full trust uh, in some of the, the federal government programs, which is understandable. Uh, these organizations have credibility. They've got relationships into uh, the farthest reaches of our community. Uh, and, and in doing that, they are helping to ensure that Connecticut uh, is counted accurately, uh, and that, and as a result, the the resources that are due uh, to residents of this state and to our communities uh, are, are are arrived, and, and and ensuring that we've got ten years uh, of appropriate level of funding. The city of Hartford, in particular, has been a, a difficult area to get people to fill out their census forms. What are some of the innovative ways that? Folks are, are going into the city to to get people to understand the importance of this. That's a great question. So uh, ensuring that we have a, a bilingual, uh, helping to ensure that we have bilingual uh, messaging, whether it's digital messaging, whether it's actual traditional type advertising, uh, individuals who are bilingual going out to the community. So they see familiar faces. They see uh, people who they have some level of comfort with who bring the credibility to say it is important to fill this out. Do not worry about uh, whether this information will be shared and ultimately cause you a, a challenge in some other aspect of your life and living. Uh, connecting to, to, to young people, uh, getting them excited about the census, why it's important, making it practical saying that you see that library that you enjoy, you know the community center that you're able to send your, your, your children to, do you remember when you needed uh, to get transportation to uh, that job interview that you ultimately landed that job? All of those things uh, in some way, shape, or form uh, are supported by uh, federal funds that come to the state of Connecticut. So uh, making it real to people that it's more than just filling, answering a couple of questions on a sheet of paper or online uh, is, 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 is an important part. And I think the other thing is showing how easy it is. I literally, and I don't, this is maybe a confession that I, I should be somewhat ashamed of, but I got my census form a few months ago, uh, meant to go online, kept putting it in my briefcase. And just a few days ago, uh, went online. It took less than 10 minutes. Uh, it, it was as easy as filling out, you know, almost, almost as easy as filling out, you know, a purchase from Amazon. Uh, but the results are much more significant. So, you know, that is why uh, the, the need for innovative, creative ways, and, and we cannot allow uh, a city like Hartford to be undercounted for the reasons that I just previously articulated. In our last 90 seconds or so, tell us how people can support the Hartford Foundation and also plug how you can be a little more nimble sometimes than, than government, which can be slow to act in some circumstances. 
government can be slow to act. And I say that from firsthand experience, having been a mayor, having worked uh, in, the federal, in a federal government, well-intended, but sometimes bureaucratic and gets in its own way. We as an organization are seeking to be very nimble, very responsive, uh, close and proximate to the challenges and the opportunities. Uh, and that comes through the relationships that we have in the community. It comes through the commitment of our board of directors, and it comes through the expertise and the passion of the staff. Uh, I would uh, invite people to our website, hfpg.org, hfpg.org. Uh, we are also on Twitter uh, and Facebook uh, and, and, and LinkedIn and Instagram, all the social media channels, just to see the breadth and depth of how we engage the community. We appreciate the support to the foundation, but more importantly, support the organizations that are our partners, that are in the community doing the work, and our website is a great place to start. He is Jay Williams, the president and CEO of the Hartford Foundation for Public Giving. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. And I truly enjoyed it. Thanks for listening to Face Connecticut. I'm Aaron Kupek. Enjoy the balance of your weekend. Face Connecticut is a production of the News and Public Affairs Department of WTIC Radio. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.